1: Coming up on episode 234 of Wheel Bearings, we've got Ford Broncos, Land Rover Defenders, Hyundai Tucson's, Nissan Santras, the new Alfa Romeo Tonali and an NFT, a bigger mountain, and uh, roundup of the Chicago Auto Show. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreoncom wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So, if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreoncom wheelbearingsmedia This is Wheel Bearings, episode 234. I'm Sam with the wall sandwich from Guidehouse Insights.
2: Uh, I am Nicole Wakeland from Auto And
3: I am Roberto Baldwin from Tom's Guide. And Mr. Tom's Guide, what have you been driving? Uh, Mr. Tom's Guide has been driving uh, the 2021 Rand Rand Lover. (laughs) The 2021 Land Rover Defender 110 SE uh, I drove the uh, 90, you know, the little two-door one, uh, I don't know, probably a year ago? I don't know. It was a while back. And this is the four-door version of the vehicle. Um, I was very excited. I really, really liked the Land Rover. Um, it is the – uh, this is this is where I put the sort of these types of vehicles in the world. There's the G-Wagon at the top. Then you have the Defender. Then you have the Bronco. And then you have the Wrangler. Now, I'm not saying these. that's the order in which they are best good, you know – best to worst or whatever that's just the order and how much money you're going to spend and so if you're looking for something that's a, a little bit more well actually you might be able to get a, Land Rover, a defender for less than a bronco right now
2: yeah. considering <laughs> or a Rangler, for that
3: right <laughs> considering like the 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 markets i haven't been to a, a jlr uh a dealership uh, i should probably do that sometime uh, this week and just just see just look because i know these things are doing very well Um, They're all over the place, especially in Los Angeles, where the G-Wagon is uh, king um, of vehicles that are made to go off-road and do not go off-road. So I think that, yeah, I think uh, JLR has done a really good job with this vehicle, uh, reintroducing it, making it look cool, making it um, not only uh, available as for some people who are very excited about the past, you know, nostalgia, but also, uh, you know, bringing it up to up to speed in, in you know the modern the modern times uh, as as the uh, the kids would say um I drove it up to Tahoe I went snowboarding with it and I sp- specifically requested this vehicle for that trip because I knew it had off-road tires I knew that it was I thought it was I'm like oh it's gonna be awesome we're gonna go up there it's gonna be snowing I'm gonna be able to it on the snow I'm gonna but then global warming kind of kind of poo-pooed all that it was very nice and warm <laughs> It was like 50, it was like 45, 50 degrees on the slope. The snowboarding was great though. Uh, you can't, it's, it's tough to beat uh, Lake Tahoe for snowboarding. And literally any mountain is uh, pretty great. Uh, but we did uh, meet to my friends, uh, three snowboard, well, two snowboards, a set of skis. I did not know a skier would be going with us. So um, we'll figure that out later. Um, we'll have a discussion with that friend. Uh, but you know, it was, it's, it it was comfortable the entire way. It was, uh, surprisingly quiet considering it had off-road tires. Uh, it's, it's really nice to drive. It's very high off the ground. At the same time, if I needed, if there had been snow, I would have felt completely comfortable just driving over (laughs) things, driving over snow. If we had had to drive up some sort of weird dirt road in order to get to the mountain, I would have been fine. Um, I, 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 really like, uh, this vehicle because The interior is all the rubbery mats and everything. So when you know when you're going snowboarding or surfing or you have dogs or children or anything that makes a mess, other humans, um, then it's nice to have uh, something you could just like, you know. Pose off because it has these, uh, these uh, rubber... Uh,
1: Something you don't feel bad about using, you know, based on its name, you know, rover, land rover.
3: Yeah. So you're you're able to, to rove the in.
2: land and, and wear some of the land inside and still be okay.
3: <laughs> exactly. I, uh, the, the, that's the, uh, This is kind of one of my issues with some of the very uh, fancy trucks, um, the luxury vehicles, you know, the F-150s that have been luxed out. Uh, like, and you, you get in and you're like, you don't want to get anything dirty and in my brain still, and this is just me, if you want to buy a big truck and just that's your luxury vehicle, you know, fine. Um, but for me, like I should be out in a field getting dirty, getting gross, going to Home Depot, picking up stuff, picking up rocks, picking up, I don't know, 70, 80 tons of mulch. And then be able to get into the vehicle and not really worry that my my shoes are, are a mess. Um, and that's what you can do with the Defender. Um yeah i I really liked it uh it supports android auto and carplay so there's that if you're not too keen on their infotainment system which i believe that it's gotten better over the years i think before the the i i i was fine with the interface i wasn't but it was always like this 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 infotainment system that had this weird like sort of fade in and a fade out like (laughs) feature and you never knew if it was a feature or a bug you're like is this really slow or is this just like it's supposed to be like that so they you know i think they've i think they got some people to to sort of fix that after everyone was like well what is this um i got 19.8 miles per gallon uh which is pretty good um i just you know it's a lot of highway driving but it was also highway driving up a mountain uh their epa is 19 combined so that's you know pretty much on par uh it's still i mean that's still it's a big car with three people, 19, you know, that's pretty good. It's, But it's still, you know, pretty low for when you think about the, the rest of the world outside of large SUVs and trucks. Uh, the ver- version I got um, MSRP was $62,700. So, yeah, a lot. And then they threw some other stuff. It had the panoramic sunroof, which was really pretty, um, you know, three zone uh, climate control. Uh, fourteen-way heated and cooled front memory front seats, and you know all the other plus. Wait, like, here's and and I think this is the the deal of the century, from a luxury uh, automaker, off-road tires, three hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. I don't know, it just just it seemed wow. like cheap.
2: Yeah, but it, sh- yeah, it does seem cheap for that car, not for, for this other car. Yeah, for, for the car, car but
3: for that, for, yeah. So yeah. anyway, so what I was driving uh, essentially a seventy thousand dollars, sixty-nine thousand one hundred ninety-five dollars. Um. You know, so $70,000 uh, really fancy, fancy Jeep um, is, is what I like. <laughs> fancy, fancy. But I, I, I really like the Defender because there's so many cubby holes to put things in. Like everything is like, oh, you can put stuff here. 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 And when you go snowboarding, um, you always have all this extra... Crap that you're dragging with you, all these extra little, you gotta get your gloves. You know and I don't want to drive my wallet in my pocket. And then here's my phone. And then, you know, we stopped and got food, and I need somewhere to put that. And we get you know, there's a little, you know, there, oh, there's the pass that you bought. Where should I put that? And if you're smart, you put that all in a bag. But if, you know, that doesn't always work out for some people, some people like to have things out where they can see them. And you can kind of put them out where you can see them with the, uh, with, with the with the Defender. And it's a, it's, it is a weird name. Uh, it's, so it has a six-cylinder, three-liter six-cylinder, 395 horsepower, 406 pound-feet of torque, uh, eight-speed automatic, uh, very smooth. Um, you know, you have all that power. It's, it's, it's a big car. So it has adequate amounts of power is what it has. Maybe, you know, every once in a while, if you really want to push it, you can, you can outrun.
1: So it's like an old
3: Rolls-Royce, then. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know. But you also get the big, giant, full-size spare. So you look I love cooler. that this has been
2: compared to both a Rolls Royce and a Jeep Wrangler in the same view, yeah. which is kind of <laughs> awesome.
3: <laughs> which is exactly where the Defender sits. It's like it's yeah. like you're 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 trying to merge this like rugged off-roadness with the luxury brand, um, and it's sort of it it does a really good job of sort of balancing both of those. Um, uh, yeah, Land Rover Defender One Ten. I still like the the the, the two door but that's because i don't have children. Yeah. So there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you, know, you would not like I those. don't have an
3: excuse. i don't have a reason for for, for people in the back sit in the back seat all the time. So i was mean, like if you want to ride with me then yeah that's that, yeah, that's what you have to deal
1: with. And you know with <laughs> with respect to the pricing, you know, jeeps have gotten very expensive as well. Uh the uh Rubicon 392, the V8 powered Wrangler, that thing starts at $75,000. Yeah,
2: they're not cheap. <sighs>
1: So, you know, in, in terms of price that you were talking about earlier, um, you know, I think the those those last few entries on that list that you had there, you know, the defender, the uh, Bronco and the Wrangler, I think are actually a lot closer than most people think would would expect.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos starts at 30, but. As 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 I've mentioned before, I'm pretty sure. Um, I I went to a dealership and they're like, yeah, the markup's twenty thousand dollars on this car. Yeah. So well, thirty for like the like the the ish of the Broncos. So you're already talking about fifty thousand dollars. Then all the random stuff. So Now you're talking about fifty
1: five. And you're like, oh, I could just get a a, a Defender for for well, the, and less than and that. the thirty thousand dollar Bronco is the one that is usually bought by the the most hardcore off roaders who are going to be taking. You know, they, they just want the basic pallet yeah. to, to start with. And then they're going to be putting on, you know, lift kits and big tires and you know, winches and all kinds of other gear. And they're going to, by the time they're all done customizing it, they're going to be up in that, you know, sixty seventy dollars 70000 price range anyway.
2: Easily,
1: yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. And the, the 90S, uh, the starting price is $52,300. So, and you can get in the Dope Green, which I had it in before.
2: What's it called?
3: Uh, I don't know what it's called, oh. but I know I call it dope green. The
2: way you said it, I'm like, wait, they can't possibly have called those. So that's Robbie's name for the color. That's I thought my you were color giving for... me a color name. I'm like, they called it what? <laughs> they called it
3: dope green. Dope green. Oh, now now I feel like if I don't tell people the real color, they're going to yell at me on the internet.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't uh, mean dun, to make you at dun. Robbie. I thought he was I thought they actually I'm called for a half a second. Where's
3: the on, where's the quickly, where's quickly, the colors? Where's the colors? Quickly, hurry, Robbie, hurry, hurry 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 i give it up. I I don't care. You can look it up. You have you have the internet. You're listening. You have to this. the Googles. Google. You have the Googles. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Land Rover, one ten, uh, dope vehicle. Uh, dope vehicle if, in dope green,
2: but not actually dope
3: green. If you're going to go off road and you, but you also want to look fancy, um, Or if you just want to look fancy, which is I'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of them are being sold. Ninety five percent of these will probably go off vehicle or off road uh, three times.
1: <laughs> or, or the most the most they'll go off road is you know just a, a gravel driveway, up to their uh, their 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 summer their, cabin. Yeah, their summer cabin in Lake Tahoe. You know, or
2: yeah, somewhere. that's the most aggressive off roading it will ever see. They're all the turning 99%. the little dial. They have that cool. They have that cool um,
3: uh, control system where you they have the you have all these buttons, but you also have these knobs. And if you push the knob, it goes from controlling the 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 temperature of the car. To, you push it, and then you, it controls the heat or the cooling of the seat. And then there's not there's little buttons next to it. And if you push a button next to it, it's the the uh, the the rear profile of the vehicle. You can use it to change the drive mode. So these little knobs um, do three different things. And I think it I really like it because I'm like oh it's, you know you're not losing buttons, but you get a button that does a lot of different little things. And once you like sort of figure it out, it takes like two minutes. So it's not like Oh, they overthought this. It's too difficult. No, no, it's fine.
2: I had to sit with someone yesterday who has a Mazda and was so frustrated with the infotainment system, she threw her hands in the air and said, can you just sit in the driveway with me for five minutes and show me how this works? Talk about confusing (laughs) buttons. I said, yes, I could do that with you.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Nicole, what have you been driving?
2: I have been driving. Well, I actually had two different vehicles this week. Um, Brad.
3: For, for most of
2: the week, for most of the week, I had a Hyundai Tucson, which is uh, all new for 2022. Uh, gave it, you know, the whole nine yard styling updates, better, better in every way kind of situation. Uh, you can get a hybrid, a plug in or... Um, a gas engine. I have the gas engine, uh, which is a 2.5 liter four cylinder, 187 horsepower, 178 pound feet of torque. So it's a decent, responsive engine. Um, I think as you can do front wheel or all wheel drive. We have all wheel drive because everything that comes to New England will have that for the next few months. Um, it handles well. Uh, it's a nice car. I love actually the, the the styling on this. They gave it this very angular metal like the way the the side panels kind of are like the doors look to it yeah it's really cool and it i think it's just different it makes it stand out a little bit because there's so many cars crossovers suvs whatever you want to call them of this size that they all kind of like blend into one thing and this one truly stands out when i was taking pictures i was noticing like it it looks really good they made they did a good job make like differentiating it without going crazy like what like the front end of the Avalon I think it was they went nuts to make it look sporty at one point and it was like oh my god what has happened to this vehicle <laughs> no they just had a, they had a little bit of you know little sculpting like you said faceted is a perfect way to describe it so it looks really good uh great to drive it's a nice smooth vehicle we had some snow it had no problem dealing with the snow and the ice and the muck that was on the road and still leaving you fairly confident and in control even when it was that that the worst stuff, which is that sort of packed down snow and ice that the plows don't really get off the road until the storm is over. Uh, So I appreciated that. It is not really an off-road uh, vehicle Like Robbie said, this isn't as capable as his car, but it also, I think, will go off-road no more than to somebody's much cheaper cabin in a much less extraordinary <laughs> space. <laughs> so it's not, you know, you can, yes, but you can't really. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, your your capability-wise. Uh, the interior is really roomy. You've got seating for five. Uh, I had the limited trim, which sits right at the top of the lineup. So, um, and I don't have a Monronie, so I kind of sort of tried to build it. So you're looking at around 40000 dollars ish for it. If you're getting that top trim, depending on what you decide to put on it, but you get standard things for that price. You're going to get, um, heated front and rear seats. Uh, my kids get my daughter gets so excited when the rear seats are here she's like oh, I can turn on the seats too so she doesn't <laughs> feel like she has to fight to sit up front and boot my husband to the back which is kind of funny um, so that's always like big bonus uh, there's a 10.25 infotainment screen which is really nice it's, I love big infotainment screens I just think they the, the tiny ones when you get in a car now that has a small one the small ones really are harder to read you don't realize how much of a difference a larger screen makes until you get in a car like get go find a car that's maybe like five years old and have an infotainment screen and try to use whatever that car had. And it's so small, you suddenly think, oh, there's a reason they're becoming massive. It makes a really big difference in how well you can view what's on there. Uh, You get a Bose audio system. Of course, there's uh, CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, And it has a lot of cargo room. I was trying to double check it as we were getting on the air. I believe it was 41.2 cubic feet uh, for cargo is what I have written down. I think that's so, with
1: the seats folded down.
2: With the seats folded down? Okay, so I think yeah. it's 41.2 with the seats folded down. That's a good amount of room for cargo. I mean, you can fit a lot back there. Um, I appreciate that because when you're getting an SUV, you know, yes, you it has to do that double duty. It has to have room for people, but it has to have room for your cargo. And depending on the moment, you, you have some combination of or you, you just have one or the other. Actually, I'm double checking. 41.2 is with the seats up. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I just that, found that's it. That's
1: a lot because most most crossovers in this segment are usually somewhere around oh. twenty. That's what okay, it says. Capacity.
2: Rear seats up forty one point two. Rear seats folded eighty point three.
1: Okay. Well, they so, they did they did make this new Tucson quite a bit bigger than the last generation.
2: Yeah. So and it feels that way. Like when you look in the back, it is surprisingly cavernous. so the numbers don't surprise me. So that's a lot of stuff, even 41. When you have a full load of like five people, that's easily the family's luggage, whatever you're putting in there to go away for the weekend, or if you're camping, it's all of your stuff and luggage. And if you need to really haul stuff around for a project. 80.3 cubic feet. That's pretty that's good.
3: A, that's a lot of room.
2: That's a lot of room. And it goes down a little. If you're looking at the hybrid and you're like in the plug-in, the numbers drop a little bit when you go to the hybrid. Like the max is 80. They drop a bit more when you go to the plug-in. It's 71.8. So, you know batteries whatever so um you lose a little bit of cargo room once you go with those but you gain the efficiency i know whatever come with a better design um so you lose that but that's you know typical of any vehicle that has both a gas engine and a hybrid and a plug-in you're going to get different cargo capacity so overall i i really i like this but i'm a fan of Hyundai because i feel like i've they pack so much in like this like i said this came in just under 40 is the, you know, I haven't added anything to make my car fancier. And it's already pretty fancy. You can always add stuff to it. But for that, just under 40, you're getting a lot. You don't have to then add, spend, you know, $10,000 on additional options to get heated rear seats. You know, no, no, that comes standard. You're at the top of the line, have all the fancy stuff. So I appreciate the fact that this is. It's nice to drive, it's nice inside, it looks good, it has good cargo room, and it's very comfortable, and it feels upscale without you having to break the bank. Like, if you don't care if it says Hyundai on there, if you're not someone who needs it to say BMW, it needs to say Infinity, it needs to say something fancy, this is a great choice. So, that's so my... that's Before yeah. you
1: move on to the other car you had, yeah. Um, let's hit one of the questions that uh, we got from a listener this week. Oh, um, and it came up on Twitter after you posted the uh, the picture of the front end of the Tucson, which Where has a, a very distinct look um, with the the way the headlights are done. You know, you've got all these little triangles. Yes. And when they're off, you know they almost kind of blend into the bodywork. You know you, they're not really that visible. But when you turn them on, you know the, these lit they up look triangles really up.
2: cool. I was pulled so, up against a, like a glass storefront, and to see the reflection of the lights. Yeah. It looks really cool. They're really so, striking.
1: The um, nth degree burns asked, you know, it says it's definitely distinctive when you see one coming at you on the road. Um, I'd be curious what you all think about the cost of replacing one of those headlights or just the bulbs will be in the long term. And I I don't know. I haven't I I haven't actually looked to see what it's got. You know, if there's like one or two bulbs, Uh, I think there's probably just a couple of bulbs that are behind that front structure, Mm -hmm. you know, that are lighting that. But I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know.
2: I'm digging right now. I don't honestly know how that – what is it? And I'm looking to see if they say. So scanning, scanning, scanning through to see if they say because it was all new. They probably talk about the light somewhere if I can find it in here. I might have an answer for you by the end of the show. How's that? Because I can okay. scan through some of this as we are chatting. I can double check it. And if I can get an answer, then I can at least maybe tell you what you're looking at when you're having to replace those lights. I'll see but what my, I can do. But up. my
1: guess is if you got into a fender bender and, and cracked one of those corners – that would probably be pretty expensive to replace.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's but,
1: what insurance is for. I think the, the, these are LEDs, right?
2: I believe they are. That's what I'm looking. I'm double checking. I was caught off guard by the question. So, um, if,
1: if they are LEDs, <clears throat> then chances are you they'll probably last the life of the car. So you'll right. probably never never have to actually replace the uh, the bulbs. Um, but if they're if they're not. Then um, you know that that could get kind of complicated just because of the the, the way this thing is built. There might be multiple bulbs, but the, definitely if you were if you were to crack that front fascia uh, in some kind of little accident, that could probably get very pricey.
2: It's gonna be pricey, yeah. But I'm betting they're LEDs, and I can't find it, of course, because somebody asked me. But yeah, and those will last. Probably longer than you will want to have your Hyundai Tucson. So yeah.
3: the 2021 Tucson LEDs um are a hundred dollars. The lamp.
2: A hundred dollars a lamp?
3: Yeah. Well, I think it's for the pair, actually. Wait. I just find it on help, head, Headlight Expert. No. Oh, this is the LED conversion kit. Oh, because this oh. is the 2021 version. All right, I don't see this funny. I feel like we're just going to be sitting here on. on
1: yeah, so the yeah the, the LED headlamps are standard on the the 22 Tucson. Okay. Um, so chances are you'll never have to worry about uh, replacing those bulbs.
2: Unless you're um, in an accident, then your yeah. insurance is replacing them for you. Right. So yeah. that's the good side.
1: All right. Okay. So, so that next was question.
2: The, next question. Our, our next oh. car. Next car. I know you've now skipped to the end of the show. We're done, folks. Done, Um, everybody.
3: Thanks for playing.
2: The other car that I've had, and I've had this only very briefly because we were doing the New England Motor Press Association winter vehicle testing this weekend. So we all drove down to the place where we do all this, and then I drove back in a different car for a couple of days. So I have this like for a hot minute, but I drove it for almost three hours because it's a very long drive back and forth. I had a 2022 Nissan Sentra, uh, which is... A great sedan. It's comfy, but you know, it's interesting. I took it last night because I've only had this for, like I said, for like forty-eight hours. Is all I'm going to get with this thing. And I took it last night, drove it down into the city, and I drove a friend. And it was interesting just judging the ride of it. It was snug, like getting, like the way the center console comes past you as you to buckle in your seatbelt, like the way it comes down. It's a little snug. It's a little tight. It's almost like it's a great little cockpit for me as the driver, because yay cockpit. But if you're the passenger in that front seat, it's a little bit on the tightish side, especially it's eight degrees. Oh, now it's 28. It was eight yesterday. So we're wearing these like bulky winter coats. You're hopping into the car. It gets a little bit cumbersome. Um, And the only other thing that and my, again, my passenger commented on this, she said, it's really noisy in this thing. Like the road noise and the wind noise. There was a lot of it in the Sentra, which was sorta of surprising. So it handled really nicely, but I thought, you know what, she's right. Like I'd just gotten out of that Tucson. The Tucson, despite being big, bulky, square ish SUV thing, was very, very quiet. And the Sentra, theoretically sleek, sexy sedan thing, was actually noisier to drive, which feels bizarre mm. but that was the case um but fun to drive you get a two liter four cylinder it's got 149 horsepower 146 pound feet of torque those aren't ginormous numbers they're like mm, numbers but it's perfect fine <laughs> <laughs>
3: they're good enough <laughs> they are good enough. where are you going Where are you doing i know really you're not, no, racing.
2: I'm not going, racing i'm not racing i'm not racing you're going exactly. to the
3: walgreens to pick up Going to
2: Walgreens and going to the grocery store to get some milk, some eggs, some bread for the you know French toast I have to make during the blizzard. Um, yeah, so it's it's not a super like engaging, aggressive drive, but it's it's fine. Sounds like you're insulting it, but it really is just fine. It's perfectly nice, <laughs> mild mannered sedan. It's fine. Um, it's fine. So I liked it. Uh, it's like the only it's, it's basic th- transportation. Yeah, it was, it's like, and the price on this, let me find it here. The one I have is the um, SR, and it was $27,000. So for $27,000, it's a decent deal. You've got, you know, all the infotainment stuff you want. You've got, you know, an 8-inch screen, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, those standard things. You have, um, you know, comfortable seats. You have nice seating surfaces. Everything, nothing feels cheap you like you it's 27 you don't think like oh this is really cheesy it feels nice inside it's just a little bit on the snug side if you like a little bit of a roomier sedan it doesn't have that very roomy open feel um, and it's not going to be super aggressive but I did like it I mean for the for the long highway drive that I did with it yesterday it is a halfway decent little sedan just be aware that the wind noise and the road noise is a bit more noticeable than you would think
1: and and you can also get that Sentra for quite a bit less, at least sticker price, you know, as long as you can find a dealer that's not putting an absurd markup on it. Exactly. Um, for uh you know, it starts at nineteen five, so mm-hmm. with delivery, you know, just over well, twenty grand.
2: Even this one, um it the base on the on this trim, it says base is twenty two we've added in fancy paint and floor mats, there's a lighting package, there's snazzy door sill plates, and there's a premium package that puts like LED headlights and there's a power sliding glass roof. You get um Primatex, which I think is like a imitation, you know, seating trim. Yeah, you get it's a power faux leather. Yeah, like a faux leather. leather, lever, faux leather. <laughs> it's a They're faux leather faux leather. Um, and it also has a power driver seat and it's got heated front seats and a steering wheel. You get an, you got a Bose audio system that actually sounds really good. So I mean, you've for that 27, you have a nicely equipped sedan. Um, and fuel economy on this, the EPA is 28 city 37 highway. I did almost entirely highway driving, except when I like Pulled off the road to pull into my house and then pulled off the road for briefly at the place I was going to downtown in Boston last night. So with a 37 highway, almost all highway driving, I averaged 36. So I was pretty close, pretty nice. close to that number. Um, yeah, considering that the when I pulled off, it was, you know, downtown Boston craziness. Uh, so overall, I mean, I like it. I think it's, it's sort of a value proposition. You're not getting an expensive vehicle. You're not getting a performance vehicle. If you want something that's nice and comfortable and you just don't want to spend a ton of money and you want good fuel economy, but you're not looking for that really sporty, aggressive vibe, 2022 Nissan Sentra.
1: All right. Nissan Sentra. <clears throat> and the, the vehicle I've been driving also had a six in the fuel economy number, but the first digit was a little bit lower it was a one instead of a three. So. <laughs>
2: oh, so wait, geez, wait, wait. I wait, just wait. saw so, what you were driving. <laughs> it, well,
3: There's a lot of words in this car, so you know. The more words you put on a car, the... Oh, yeah,
1: that, that adds
2: the, weight the, the lo- and, you
1: know, increases the fuel consumption.
3: I
2: feel like that is exactly. true. Like The more words they use to describe it, the worse your fuel economy is going to be. It's gotten so fancy. They're like, we have to distract you from that number. Read the name of the car. <laughs> the, only, the only
3: automaker where that's flipped is Porsche with the Panamera. True. Okay. The What's the S whole name hybrid. for the parent? Oh it's my like- god! I had to remember it for video. It's so long for the for the for the hybrid. Anyway, let's yeah. Anyway. Go
2: it's ahead, really Sam. Long. Tell us so, about your car as we pick so, on Carnage. So, names. so, Go so ahead. I
1: had the 2021 Ford Bronco four door, advanced four by four wild track, Sasquatch five passenger.
2: Say that five times fast. <laughs> uh,
1: so wild It's the, it's the track. Bronco, uh, which you know <clears throat> everybody's been waiting for for years. You know, finally a true competitor to the to the Jeep Wrangler uh, in in so many ways that you know I mean vehicles like the the Defender you know are clearly you know competitors to the Wrangler as well but the you know the Wrangler has had some and in the past we've had the Toyota FJ Cruiser and others but the the Wrangler has stayed relatively unique in the segment you know by having things like a removable roof and removable doors and all the customizability that you can get in a Wrangler. And the Bronco is really the first entry to kind of match all of those capabilities uh, that that Wrangler owners have had for decades. Uh, so this the the one I had, uh, as I said, it's a, it's a four-door hard top uh Wildtrak with the Sasquatch package. Uh, <laughs> so many things. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's EPA rated at uh, for 17 city 17 highway and 17 combined and i've uh, averaged about uh, 16 and a half so i almost hit the epa label numbers which you were considering you know it's been cold and you know i was driving on a lot of snow and ice was was actually not bad um i mean at least relative to the numbers it's still pretty pretty mediocre fuel economy <laughs> for a, a brand new vehicle um you know, you mentioned road noise. Uh, that is something I have, oh, I geez. did notice quite a bit in this one, uh, because it's you know with the Sasquatch package, it's got the big off-road tires on there. The did you
2: say? Inch. Did you have the hard top or the soft top? I missed what you said. I had said. the hard top.
1: Hard top. Okay. okay. So the soft uh, top would be louder. Even yeah. So, yeah. Um, wind noise is actually surprisingly not bad, given the shape of this thing. You know, it's a very boxy shape, and they actually do a pretty decent job of controlling wind noise. But there's quite a bit of road noise coming through from those big 35 inch tires um and you know with the sasquatch you get the 35s with the beadlock wheels or you know beadlock wheels on there so that when you're going off-roading you know hopefully it'll hold the tires in place as you're crawling over those boulders and stuff uh you know this has got all the the goat modes and uh, all the other, all the other nonsense. That having, <laughs> <laughs> having
2: the other the, nonsense, the sur- I'm sure they'll appreciate that. The other nonsense they put on this car. <laughs> I have a that,
3: lot of feelings about goat the, mode, that are yeah. We can
1: talk about in a second. Yeah, um, yeah. It, there, there are some some really neat features that I think we talked about uh, before when we did the first drive last summer, um, like the, uh, the 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 trail <laughs> turn assist feature. Uh, I was out shooting uh, photos of this thing in an area that was full of some pretty deep snow and uh, turned on the trail turn assist to quickly turn it around and and get shots from a different angle. Uh, And what that does is uh, when you turn the steering wheel all the way to lock in either direction and then hit the gas, it will apply full brakes to the inside rear wheel and basically drag that wheel so that the the, the, the the Bronco just essentially turns around the inside rear wheel. So you have a very tight turning radius. Um, could have used that last week when I had the F-150 uh, <laughs> with its extremely long wheelbase. It could use a tighter turning radius.
2: They should do that on big pickup trucks. Or an all wheel
1: turning. All wheel turning
3: is the greatest thing after, after that, after cruising around that EQS for a week with the 10 degrees of
1: rear. T- oh man. I was well, like, that every that big is car- one advantage that the, the Chevy Silverado EV will have over the, uh, the F one fifty lightning, uh, cause they will have four wheel steering on that. Whereas the lightning will not have that, at least not in this generation. Uh, but anyway, back to, back to the Bronco, uh, you know, this thing's pretty tall. Yeah. You know, it's quite a step up into it. Um, one, one thing I noticed that I, I hadn't noticed when we did the drive last summer uh, was when you're opening the tailgate, when you have the, the Sasquatch, you know, the, the Bronco has the spare tire mounted on the tailgate, which is a side swing tailgate. And it has a full-size spare, which means you have a 35-inch spare tire on there, which is – those things are very heavy. And if you get a Bronco with the Sasquatch package or even one without the Sasquatch package – if you ever park on a road that has a, you know, on a surface that's not quite level uh, and it's tilted a little bit towards the driver's side, be very oh. careful with that tailgate because it, the oh. hinge is on the, the right-hand side. Did it side. want to squish you? And, and yeah, it will, you know, unless you push it all the way, if you push it all the way open, then it will, it'll latch there, you know, and then you can pull it back. So it'll stay there. But if you open it partway just to throw a bag in the back, it will want to swing back down on you. Oh Jesus! And it's very heavy. Did I mention it's heavy with a big
3: L? So, Do
2: you have the bruises to prove I guess it, Sam? That's
3: why everyone went with the uh, hatches that that pop up. I'm sure enough people were like eaten by their car.
2: Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. stuck in the yeah. I'm trapped in my tailgate.
1: <laughs> um, but you know, seriously, if if you want to go off roading, you know, this the Wrangler, the Defender are probably you know the the best vehicles and oh, probably the G wagon, if you can afford one of those are like among the top of what, you know, they'll go pretty much anywhere you could conceivably go. Um, this one, as I said, has the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6 in there, uh, which is about 375 horsepower. Um, it's got plenty of, uh, plenty of power, uh, even though the Bronco is not a lightweight vehicle. Uh, I think the you know the four door with the Sasquatch package and everything is somewhere well over five thousand pounds uh, curb weight. Uh, it's got plenty of get up and go. <clears> Ten <throat> um, speed automatic transmission is the only automatic avail or the, the only transmission available.
2: Um,
1: this one is loaded. Had the Copilot 360 package, Copilot 360 plus with the uh, adaptive cruise control and lane lane centering assist. Um, it also has. Uh, if, if going back to what we were talking about earlier with the customization capabilities, um, it, you have the auxiliary switches uh, up on the top um, by the above the mirror uh, so that if you're going to put in extra lights or any other things that, that need power, it's already pre-wired for all that stuff, so you have the switches there. Um, like the, the Defender, You know, there's a lot of plastic and rubber inside. And in fact, um, Ford... Has actually built in um, one-way drainage plugs into the floor of this thing. So when you, if you hose it out or you, you get water in there, when you're if you're going through a trail, or, uh, through a, uh, a stream or something like that, um, as soon as you get out of the water, it'll it'll just drain right out through the floor, uh, which is very handy for for a vehicle like this. I mean, you can tell it's it's really designed to be used. Like most Wranglers, most Defenders, it will probably most of them will probably never be used as they're intended, but you know Eh, it has that capability. (laughs) Uh, What are you gonna do? (laughs) Yeah, Um, list uh, price on this one Um, sticker or uh, base MSRP for the uh, the four door Advanced four by four is forty nine thousand four hundred seventy five with the Wildtrak package and. uh, the key the keyless entry keypad, uh, which would be very handy on a vehicle like this um, the hard top um, It also has uh, the tow package uh, And it's got the the bags in the back to store the doors in if you take the doors off It's got got bags for for the uh, the, the door the doors and also the um, the, the roof panels uh, which I didn't bother taking off this week because it's cold um, came to fifty-eight thousand four hundred and twenty dollars, and the destination charge was, by today's standards, a fairly modest fourteen hundred and ninety-five dollars.
2: Isn't it horrible that that actually is a modest number <laughs>
1: compared compared it to really uh, the Wagoneer, which was two thousand dollars? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like it's uh. and it's not even like compared to most, it's a modest number. That's insanity.
3: The Land yeah. Rover is thirteen fifty. And it's got to come all the way from England. It's got to come all the way from another country, yeah, from across over, the sea. Over the this, this water, the This thing is, this thing is built in a
1: plant 20 miles away from me. Yep.
2: Is it's, it built in this country? Because if it's not built, yeah. is it or is it built over there and you have to fight across the border today? <laughs> uh, no, it's,
1: it's, it's built in Wayne, which is like okay. literally 20 miles east of me here. Wow. So that's the uh, 2021 Ford Bronco Wildtrak Sasquatch. Oh, so about the goat mode. Um, yeah.
3: Because yeah, it's what's greatest
2: your beef with goat my, mode?
1: My my
3: beef with goat mode is greatest of all time, but it's that's very much like it's like saying something is fleek or that something is I in the nineties or the late eighties I got a pair of skis um in high school. I was very excited, I saved a bunch of money, my dad helped me out, I bought some skis. On the back of the skis it said radical.
4: And I was like, Well, <laughs> oh, oh, that's you're cool. A dorky.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you know now radical has come back, but there's a good twenty years where those skis people would be like, what is wrong with this person? It's <laughs> yeah when you when you when you're using uh, current lingo, like if I had gotten groovy mode on, <laughs>
2: well, <it's laughs> groovy for,
1: for what it's worth, you know I, I think you know Ford probably uh, would not object to anybody saying use referring uh, defining goat as greatest of all time, but their official definition there is go over any terrain. Yeah, it's greatest. Of, they when they know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: It's, I only
2: just discovered it's like
3: it's like watch to Freedom. Yeah. It's like WTF. Oh, I no, only it's just watch discovered what we're greatest like, okay. of all time
2: means because I realized they were calling Tom Brady the goat, and I finally said to a friend, "Why do they call him a goat?" She's like, "They're not calling him a goat. They're calling." And I had it explained yeah. to me very recently. I'm like, "Oh, over, completely and, over yeah. my head." Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's like Watch to Freedom, WTF in yeah. the Hummer. It's not. Yeah, it's. The, Okay, watch the freedom. All right. <laughs> Go over any <laughs> terrain. All right, Grandpa.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh uh... Grandpa
5: Highland intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.
1: All right. Um, let's start off with, um, the, I think the only new vehicle that was actually announced this week, uh, the week of the Chicago auto show, uh, and was not announced at the Chicago auto show or even shown at the Chicago auto show. Uh, and that is the 2023 Alfa Romeo Tenali. Uh, Mm -hmm. finally, um, we're finally seeing it in production form. Um, Alpha's new compact crossover. Uh, it's it, it's actually you know design wise it's very close to the original concept we saw three years ago, 2019, when they first hmm. showed it. Yeah, I think so Two like two and a half years ago. Um, what uh, any any thoughts on the Tenali? It looks like an Alpha. I mean,
3: it looks
2: like an Alpha. And that's sort I of mean, baby was... Stelvio.
3: Yeah, it's it, you know what's funny is that when I had a Julia, um, when I lived in the city, I'd have to park my The cars on the street, and my neighbors knew what I did. And there's one guy who'd always walk by with with his dog, and he'd see Mercedes and BMWs, and he'd talk to me. But when I had the Julia, because of the design, he's like, "Doesn't seem like the kind of car you should leave on the street." (laughs) Mm, Right? (laughs) But I think Alphas like their design language is is very very unique to them, which is good for them. Um, But it also, uh, for many people, they're like, "Oh, what is this?" It gives them a little air of mystery.
2: I love I just love alphas because they are different because they that that triangular grill on the front the shield I, just, yeah the shield you want it's it's something that you don't have to be a car person and you look at them and you're kind of like what the what I've never seen that before did you do something to a regular car no this is how this comes I think the Tenali is a good one I I was kind of personally taken with the green Stelvio they had at the auto show did you see that Sam mm-hmm. yeah and it was this brilliant. Green. It looked like an emerald, and I was like, I, "I, I, I, like them already." I'm like, "And now you made one that looks like an emerald." Please stop trying to take my money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: take, take my money. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 Tanali, you know, as I said, is a compact crossover. Um, they wouldn't talk about what platform it's on, but looking at the specs, it looks like it's basically a a, a variation of the the platform that's used for the Jeep Compass. Uh, it's got four-wheel strut suspension, um, and for North America, uh, there's going to be two powertrain options: uh, the two-liter, the same two-liter turbo that you can find in the base Julia and Stelvio, and as well as assorted Jeep vehicles and and other vehicles from across the Stellantis lineup. And that's about 252 horsepower. Or uh, the the other powertrain option is a plug-in hybrid. It's fir- it's Alfa Romeo's first. Electrified powertrain. Um, It's a 1.3-liter turbo four-cylinder up front with a 90-kilowatt electric motor at the rear axle. That altogether gives you about 272 horsepower. So it's more powerful than than the the four-cyl the two-liter four-cylinder. And uh, it has it'll it's supposed to give about 30 miles of electric driving range. Um, So. This will be the, the first Alpha with a plug. Going forward, all new Alphas are going to have plug-in options. Some are going to be plug-in hybrids. Some are going to be battery electric. Um, and then uh, the, it's also got uh, um, the uh, Uconnect 5 infotainment system. And it also comes with an NFT. Because everything's an NFT now. My
3: dog's an NFT.
2: NFTs are cool? Okay. Yeah.
3: Well, it's right. the goat of,
1: uh, of of the digital world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the
2: goat.
1: <laughs> the um, you know I I, was, I I spoke with Larry Dominique, who's the head of Alfa Romeo North America um, earlier this week, and uh, we'll after this segment um, I'll drop in that interview there. But uh, uh, we talked about the the NFT and what they're doing, and, th- and this actually seems like the first one of the first actually useful applications of nft <laughs> technology you know not it's not about buying some silly illustration of an ape um for
2: come on you're not gonna my silly il- illustration of an ape Dang it's
1: it, a it. bored cool. ape it's not just well, an ape it's, it's got like it's got
3: a lot of time on its
1: hands <laughs> yeah well it, it, it's not so much the the illustration but the amount of money that people are spending on these illustrations
2: <laughs> on the illustration that is, re- okay. that is
1: ridiculous um so this won't actually cost you anything extra for the NFT. And what they're doing is they're using it as a way to record the service history of uh, the Tenali. And they'll be applying this to um, other future vehicles as well. So when you take your car in for for service, um, everything that's done to it will be recorded in the blockchain. Uh, So the idea is you have an unchangeable service record that is accessible to anyone. Uh, And the hope the, the the rationale that Alpha is giving for this <clears throat> is that um, they're hoping that this will help improve the resale value of Alfa Romeo vehicles because you know as, as we've talked about before Alphas don't have the greatest reputation for reliability.
2: No, you're making that up. I mean, Sam. I've
1: I've never had trouble with one when I, when I've had one here as a loaner, but you know that's only for a week at a time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've never had one as a loaner. I've driven them at launches, but I've never had one for a week because I would steal it. I love them.
3: <laughs> now they—they're ne- definitely never going to give you one now.
2: Now they're like, "Take off the list quickly, quickly."
1: <laughs> but uh, I mean, would would you pay extra for a used car? Any—I mean, any used car if you had, you know, uh, an NFT service history of the thing? But it doesn't, I mean, you can just have a database, it doesn't need to be an NFT. You're
3: right, you're I don't, creating... I, but
2: when I pay extra, yeah, the database I... can be
3: modified, is yeah. Is the but I mean, I, I guess I mean, if it's if it's held in if it's if you have to have it done at alpha and alpha's holding the database, the only people who can change the database are people at alpha. And if you could just have like every time someone access the database, it's the same thing, I mean. Even if it's an NFT, if you take your car and they're like, oh, we fixed something. And then as you drive away, they still have the unique, you know, whatever login. They're like, hey, let's say we put three tires on it this week. (laughs) I mean, the same thing could happen with the database. I mean, it's not, I don't know. I think it's.
2: I don't, I mean, I think it's a neat idea to make it something that everybody can access very easily online and that anybody could get to it. um, That needs to get to it, you know, but I I don't, I don't know that it would make me pay more for a used one. I would still just want to be. Having a mechanic check the car, make sure it was the car I wanted, that it didn't seem like it had been thrashed, had the number of miles, had a good price. I don't think having that would make me say, well, I'm going to give you an extra $2,000 because that NFT said that you did everything you were supposed to do maintenance-wise. I don't think that would do it.
3: And you can also just get a Carfax, which has a little fox. So if the NFT had like a little cute animal…
2: Do you know that it doesn't, Roberto? I I don't
3: know that it doesn't. So if it has a cute – like a fox but wears a shirt that says NFT… Uh, but I guess it wouldn't be the foxes and they'd be getting in trouble to car. What would it be people. for
2: an Italian car? Uh, maybe just a picture of a like a little cup of a like espresso or Steaming cappuccino espresso. with like a with a little shield logo on the top, a little steam uh, rising up from it. Little Italian guy it, drinking it. No? Okay. It has to so be like a little cool.
3: animal. I think I feel like it has to be it's some sort an of animal. animal. What's the... uh,
2: That's adding I don't challenges know.
3: now. I'm <laughs> sorry. A penguin maybe?
2: <laughs> penguin would work. Penguins are cute.
3: Yeah. Something cute. <laughs> a raccoon.
2: And right now, Alpha's like, "Are you saucy. kidding me? We do this technology, and all you want is a cute animal?
3: Yeah, a saucy, a saucy badger.
2: A saucy badger. Well, there's the title of the episode: A saucy badger.
3: Saucy badger. <laughs>
2: Hold
3: on, blockchain.
2: blockchain. Yeah, he's right.
3: saucy badger. <laughs> Got it. Saucy badger I don't, I'm sure there's, there's. I'm sure there are other things that are that that the NFT will will keep, will make it better than just the regular old database. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, okay, sure. You know, yeah. on the blockchain. I mean, everyone's been talking about putting things on the blockchain so you can keep track of it. NFT is just the latest
1: thing. Yeah. You're Dominique. You're now the uh, the head of Alpha Romeo North America. I think the last time I, I chatted with you a few years ago, uh, you. I just, uh, joined, uh, as, uh, head of, uh, PSA North America when they were planning to re-enter the North American market. Um, and you you've just launched, uh, a new product for the Alpha Romeo brand, uh, the Tenali, uh, a compact crossover. Let's start off with, um, where, where does this vehicle fit into the overall market and who, who do you see as the, the, the competitive set for the Tenali?
4: Yeah, the great, the great news Sam is the the compact premium SUV segment's one of the fastest growing premium segments, you know, in our market which is which is great. Some of the key competitors that we we see out there today are things like the BMW X1 and the Mercedes GLA. I would say those are two of the highest volume competitors in that segment. And uh you know,
1: what what is it, you know, what what is what makes the Alpha special? In in this segment, I think you know those of us that are familiar with the Julia and the uh, the Stelvio, you know, have a I think have a pretty good idea of what Alpha wants to be. But what you know, how have you translated that into the smaller vehicle?
4: Uh, first of all, we, we we just believe by having the Alfa Romeo logo on the front is the starting point, right? So so Alfa Romeo as a brand with our 111 year history, Sam, has been a very consistent brand. So no matter what segment you compete in, no matter which product you bring out. We tend to deliver alphaness first, which means, first of all, very not like the Germans. It's a very different execution. For us, it's about performance and beauty, you know, in everything we do. So just taking a step back and looking at, you know, the 2019 concept vehicle for Tonoli and how we've translated that into the production version, I think you're going to see, unlike a lot of concept vehicles, we kept true to a lot of that design elements. Um, You know, as our design team likes to talk about the GT line from the front to the back of the vehicle. So... First and foremost, it's a beautiful car, great dynamic lines, great proportions. So I think from an, a visual point of view, it delivers on um, being an alpha and, and a perfect family uh, as that, as, that as well. And what you're also seeing in there is some of the future design direction. We talk about the Tributo in the front, the headlamp signature, the, the kind of three element headlamp signature, the continuous sine wave rear light signature. Those are some of the new elements you're gonna start seeing towards the future of, of future products coming. Now, from a performance point of view, you know, the base engine on this is going to be our 256-horsepower 2-liter turbo. Uh, we refer to it as our GME engine. Um, that's going to deliver, you know, very high in-class horsepower and performance just in our base trim. But what we've done on top of that with our, our mid- and upper-level trims is we're going to be offering the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. So we're not treating plug-in hybrid as just a, uh, a powertrain alternative for fuel economy. This is about delivering the best at Tonali performance, which just happens to be wrapped in a plug-in hybrid at the same time. So yes, you can do 30 plus miles in pure EV, but you can also deliver 272 horsepower, great 52 48 weight balance, you know, uh, you know our frequency selective dampening. So all the higher performing technologies that we would normally have in our higher level trim grade vehicles is in the plug-in hybrid. So we believe it's going to deliver in segment that same kind of Stelvio Julianess. But in, under, in Rafton Tonali in that segment.
1: So, uh, you know, obviously the, the hybrid is going to be, probably going to be a, a bit heavier than the two liter version. Um, where will the performance be relative to the, the gas engine vehicle? Will it be comparable? Maybe a little better?
4: We think it'll definitely be better because okay. it, when you think about the power and weight distribution, so the 5248, but not just that, it's how we're driving the front wheels and how we're using the dedicated electric motor in the rear. So how we drive the vehicle? All of our vehicles, so in in the material for Europe, we mentioned front-wheel drive versions in Europe. We're not doing any front-wheel drive versions. Everything coming to North America will be all-wheel drive, so whether it's the gasoline or the plug-in hybrid. So our ability to deliver the power to the right wheels at the right time to deliver that great dynamic performance is going to be great on the GME engine, but it's going to be, I think, even a step above that when we talk about the plug-in hybrid.
1: Okay. Um, uh, watching the uh, the reveal, you know, some of the things that were talked about in there uh were the technology that you're putting in this. Uh you know, and the, the Julian Stelvio had a fair bit of technology, but I think this one really seems to step that up. Uh you connect 5, some of the Ada's features. Can you talk about what um, you know, what the strategy is there, what uh, what are you trying to achieve uh with with the te- on the technology side?
4: Yeah, so a key for us on the technology side is, you know, we're going to be coming out at a time at the end of this year in the North American market, and the technology we've now embedded in this, um, we like to think of our technology as not just technology for technology's sake, Sam. It's to make sure we're enabling and making the, the, the driver's life a little bit easier. So if you want to use the L2 autonomy, you can. The auto features and the, the Passive Safety are there, you know, for you all the time, as long as you leave them on. Um, but even the way we're doing it, the screen technology. So we talked about the unique 12.3 inch TFT for the meter. But if you look at the design elements of it, it harkens back to historic Alphas, kind of the dual gauge with the with the umbrella on top of it. Um, and how we present present the information is very what I'll call high technology, configurable, but also very very historic from the standpoint of harkening back to our DNA. The center screen, the 10.3 inch, you know, you talked about the the audio Uconnect, the core of the Uconnect 5, that's configurable, you know, very high technology. But we're not thinking of the vehicle as technology wrapped around, inside wrapped around by a car, right? It's an Alpha Romeo first, and we try to deliver the alphaness in all of our technology. So we want to be very competitive with all the customer expectations tailored to being an Alpha Romeo. And a good example is, we still have the mechanical DNA switch. Mm
1: Yeah um that that was that was interesting and of course you know you also still have this uh, the start stop button on the steering wheel as opposed to on the dash you know so those familiar with the the, the previous alphas will you know will fit right in there you know it's a, a distinctive feature uh, of the interior um the uh the um over-the-air update capability that's going to be on this, is that limited just to uh, the Uconnect 5 capabilities, or will that also be able to add other types of features, and you'll be able to update other systems in the vehicle?
4: So the, the potential is there. We haven't fully decided the full breadth uh, of what we're going to be doing over-the-air updates on, but the Uconnect and the, and the HMI features, the mapping and so forth, is a given but how we manage, because we still have to work through a lot of things, you know, what I'll say regionally relative to what can we do at the dealerships, what can be done at the customer's house, um, and are there opportunities in the future if there are features or services we can provide where the customer may want to pay for some of those features. You know, do we offer that as well? So it's going to be an evolving um, opportunity for us, just like the non-fungible token as well.
1: That's what I wanted to ask you about next, was the the NFT uh, you know, this is, I think to most people, you know, the, the concept of NFTs is something that's come up relatively recently. I think this is the first time that I can think of that anybody has used it in relation to a new vehicle. How, what, what are you doing with an NFT with the Tenali? What, what does that mean to customers?
4: Yeah. So fundamentally, the way we're thinking about it is the first initial play is related to helping maximize the used car or the residual value of the vehicle. So by using the non-fungible token, when you get your vehicle maintenance done or updates to the vehicle, wheels, tires replaced, brake jobs done at your alpha dealer, the the NFT will be updated. So you have this kind of living record that's transferable in theory to the next owner as well. You you can take it. Um, How we execute that, who we partner with, um, what kind of, uh, what kind of, of, you know, contractual relationship we have with both the, the blockchain technology and the customer is still being defined. Uh, Europe is finalizing theirs right now and they launch you know first commercial sales are in June okay. so we're about six months later than that. So we have a little bit more time um, and uh, the great news for us Sam is we're gonna learn with the launch of Tonali in Europe first on how best to optimize that going into our launch at the end of the year.
1: Uh- is this something the, the ability to to store that those service records through you know as, along with an NFT is that going to be exclusive to any service that's done by Alpha dealers or will do you expect uh, eventually to have some sort of mechanism for third-party service providers um, you know both because uh, obviously as you know you know when once a vehicle gets out of warranty sometimes customers take vehicles elsewhere, and Alpha still has a relatively limited footprint in North America, uh, and it may be more convenient for somebody to take it to, a, you know, somewhere else for service. So will there be a mechanism for that?
4: Yeah, this, it's 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 in development is what I'd say. You know, it's okay. being considered how do we do that and how would we partner with certain nationwide chains that have that opportunity. Um, there's also, we do find a lot of, in what I'll say, the less dense Alfa Romeo service areas. We do have relationships with our Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealers as well. So there might be an, an easier opportunity to implement that before we go to the nationwide chains. But, you know, as we think about our future cars rolling out, our footprint of vehicles that are NFT enabled is going to increase. Okay. So managing that out of warranty period, um, and even sometimes in warranty, people don't always go to our dealerships. Yeah. So how can we best help them?
1: Yeah. I think this for the first time, this actually seems like a, a potentially really useful application of an, of NFT technology. Uh, you know, a lot of the other stuff we've seen, you know, people selling links to pictures of a, of an ape, you know, it's dubious, uh, value, but, but this, this actually seems like it could be val- really useful to customers over the long term. Um, is that some, is this something you expect to add to other alpha models, you know, either, either your, you know, to the, the Julian Stelvio or, and, and to future models as well?
4: For, for sure. And, and it comes back to, we think of, you know, for us as a brand from a success point of view, obviously we want to be a profitable, sustainable brand. But a key thing what we're trying to deliver on right now, Sam, is all about customer experience and customer satisfaction. So what can we do in the vehicle, outside the vehicle, over the air, at our dealers, uh, in between the brand and the customers themselves to maximize their experience? Because we know people love Alfa Romeo's because they're driver cars and they're fun to drive and they're emotional. But we want to give them all of the other elements that helps ease their life and make their life better. You know, we, we like to think of it in Alfa Mayo's. we're building a, a tribe of alfisti, right? People across the world. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed when I came into this brand almost a year ago, the level of alfisti groups, you know, the owner's groups across the United States and even Canada and, and to a certain degree in Mexico – Just blew me away. The 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 loyalty going back to the 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. and 60s, all the way up to modern times. So this we want to expand that that world of alfistis into a very modern and and new customer for us.
1: And and who do you see as the customer for the Tenali?
4: So, Tenali, unlike, you know, historically, which Alpha has been an, an extremely male-oriented brand, 70 80% male purchasers. Uh, i not saying male influencers to the purchase, but the actual purchase um, in, in, on, on the registration. We believe this vehicle is going to start to appeal to a much broader audience. So, we are already the youngest premium brand in the United States at about 44 years old. So, we're about six or seven years younger than our German counterparts. So we're already drawing in low-end, younger Gen X and older millennials into the brand. So we think we can really manifest that because the millennials are very rapidly becoming the most important premium buyers in our market. So catering to them, their needs for technology, their needs for the kind of customer satisfaction we want in Bech, and at the same time, moving it more gender neutral. We definitely believe we can get a higher percentage of females Mm -hmm. and women buying these these cars. So we think it'll be the first vehicle for us, which has maybe a slightly broader, you know, um, demographic.
1: Okay. And, um, ter- obviously you haven't announced pricing yet, but can, can we expect it to be competitive with those German counterparts that you mentioned earlier?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, we, we think of our brand as, you know, we, we're a premium brand. We should be priced as a premium brand, delivering the premium experiences, premium services, premium vehicles, premium quality. So what I would say is we're, we're going to be priced competitively. Um, we have some unique technologies, unique powertrains that'll come to the market as well, which will be factored into that final pricing strategy. But as our global CEO, Jean Philippe Imperado, likes to say, we alpha's history has been, you know, delivering that premiumness, a premium experience, you know, to to a broader mass. Right. So we never want to be priced out of the market. We want to be priced where we're reachable, hmm. you know, and attainable for people delivering on alpha
1: and um, one one last question how how big do you see the alpha brand potentially getting in the us um, you know do do you expect it to get into hundreds of thousands of units annually um, and and maybe how many you know how many model how how big a lineup would you anticipate getting to in in north america
4: yeah, so so answering the latter question first, when we think about the product portfolio, we've talked about globally launching six all-new products within now in the end of the decade. Um, a large portion of those will come to the North American market. There's one vehicle for Europe that's smaller than Tonali that we're not interested in bringing over. But we're going to focus on the high-volume profit pool kind of, uh, of segments. So you're looking at CDE kind of segments in the North American markets. So that's where we want to focus. We're not trying to be niche outside of that. From a, from a volume point of view, the way we think of our brand is is we want a brand that's going to grow organically. So we want to put the right products in the right segments appealing to the customers and grow the brand over time. So we're not chasing market share. We're not trying to deliver artificial demand. We want to grow that demand organically. And and to do that, when you start talking about three, four, five products or more in the lineup, you know you could you could see us 100,000 plus. But there, the, you know, where it ends up, Sam, we'll find out. The, the okay. key thing is if you're growing and growing profitably, satisfying customers, every incremental volume you sell is 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 a positive image and it's a positive contributor. So, so not rushing. Um, the key thing is to get stability. Get the customer loyalty where we want it to be and grow the brand, you know, in that organic way. And, and I think that's great for us because we want to stay true to the alpha roots. We don't want to, we don't want to water it down. We don't want to, you've already seen if you look back over the last year, we've tightened up our product offerings, the number of trims, the number of options. We're trying to make it the right packages at the right price, you know, so we can limit complexity, increase the quality and deliver a great customer experience.
1: Well, I'm—I for one am uh, looking forward to uh, getting behind the wheel of the Tenali and trying this thing out. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
4: Oh, it was my pleasure. Great to talk to you, Sam.
1: All right, have a great day.
4: You too. Take care. All right. Well, let's
1: um, let's move on then to uh, the rest of what was in Chicago. Um, I think this may be the first auto show that I can recall ever being to where not a single new vehicle was shown. For the first time,
2: yeah, it, there were trims, and that was it. Yeah, new yeah, we, trims we, of we existing saw, we vehicles. We saw some.
1: We saw some new vehicles that had been previously released online in virtual events, like the the Silverado EV, um, the uh, uh, the uh, Toyota Sequoia, the new Sequoia, um, but nothing. Oh, and the and the uh, the Bronco Raptor. Um, yes. Yes. The Lightning was there. The light, the light. One was
3: there? yeah. Okay. Had so for regular people, show. they can go. For regular,
2: touch. yeah. For regular people, it's the first time they're going to get to see some stuff. That's cool. So because, yeah. in fact, I had someone who wanted to see, believe it or not, and it's not even really. He's he ordered a Maverick. I know, not like brand new. He hasn't been able to, other than glance at one in a dealer lot that belonged to another customer, he's like, do they have one? Because I might drive there just to see one, because I have one on order, and I want to know what it actually looks like and talk to someone. Like He Uh lives in New York, guys, and he's considering just random Joe on Twitter, so I'm not sure if he'll do it, but yeah, he can't just to see like... Why not? Yeah.
3: It's a nice okay. little trip. Chicago is a great, a great city. I've never Pizza. been there, but I, I've been told.
2: Wait, 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 wait. You've never been to Chicago ever? I've
3: never. I've driven through Chicago, which doesn't really count, at like 2 in the morning on a cross-country road trip. Um, wow. But I've never been to Chicago. Wow. Yeah.
2: That
4: yeah, should I, I went to me. a
1: great Peruvian restaurant the other night. <laughs> Ooh, the, the, both the food we, and the service were excellent.
2: It, we, we picked it, we were trying to pick a place to eat and, and we couldn't pick anything and somebody had recommended, actually it was <laughs> someone at Ford recommended this restaurant and we're like, okay, let's go. So thanks Ford. Thanks Rhonda. It was really good. Um, okay. yeah. So we went to this where I, I opened the menu and normally, you, you know, you're in a restaurant, that you haven't been to before and you know a lot of the stuff like you know a steak is a steak is a steak and then there's a couple things you don't know i've never been to a peruvian restaurant in my life so i open it up and i'm like uh i don't know how about that one (laughs) like i had no idea what anything was on this menu (laughs) that's
1: exciting
3: it was tasty
2: though it was really yummy yeah we had a nice little dinner all of us
1: the uh the mixed ceviche was mm, oh yeah with shrimp and and uh squid and octopus and bunch of other stuff in there it's really really good yeah, anyway back mm-hmm. back to cars oh yeah uh, <laughs> um yeah so everything everything that was there we had at least seen online before and and some of it you know some of us have seen at various um uh, events that the manufacturers have done like i i saw the silverado ev uh at a background briefing uh back in december uh, before it was shown online during ces um they also had the uh um the new uh Kia uh Sportage plug in hybrid, uh which they were again showing you know at a show for the first time, but they've they've announced everything before. Was there anything in particular that caught your attention, Nicole?
2: Um it was hard because we had seen it a lot. What I actually a couple there were a couple things and I'm going to forget the name of the what they called the Ram truck. They debuted debuted a Ram 1500 oh, the, the that was a first fire responder a first responder edition um that was this brilliant bright red but it had neat little things inside and one of the things that I thought was cool is on the Backs, I'm gonna. Th- I believe it was the front seats. They had like a little Velcro pan. Like you know what you'd have embroidered with the logo of the vehicle on a higher trim. Instead of being embroidered with the logo, it had a little Velcro thing, so you could put a patch on it. Like you know, if you wanted to put like the patch from your department or whatever departments you served with, you could actually patch stick that with Velcro to the car. I thought that was kind like of where cool. you,
3: like the top of your
2: back, like your shoulder like, blade. Yeah, but it was uh, was it your shoulder blades? I'm trying to think where exactly it was. I well, for me, maybe, it'd be
3: like the bottom of my back.
2: Yeah, for you, it would be right <laughs> above your butt, Robbie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. but yeah. So, and it was like a, a large-ish sort of. I think it's uh, just below the headrest. Just below the okay. headrest, so it probably wouldn't be like against it. It's going to be a little below where, for the most part, your body is going to touch the seats. Um, so that was kind of neat, and it was a, you know—it was a neat tribute edition. I thought that was kind of a kind I, of a cool thing to do.
3: I'm just thinking that one day I'm going to sit in it with this with you. Someone's going to sit in it with their hoodie or their their sweater and they're going to forget to put the patch in, and they're going to be trying to
0: get
2: a <laughs> <laughs> It must be the not-sticky... So, oh, I don't know. I guess I could have a... Well, now, if I see one of those, I'm going to have, like, have to put on my fuzziest, the, nasty well, like like loop, sweater and see if
1: the instead of the hooks on
2: there. You're going to, like, st- yeah. I'm going to be like, stuck the to the car. The hooks are I'm probably
3: like, on the patch. Probably okay. on the
2: patch. And the other thing that I saw that um I liked, and it was new, um, they did have a n- new trim of the... Grand Cherokee, I don't think it was the L, I think it was just the Grand Cherokee but forgive me on that, they had a limited black edition that gets this like blacked out front grill and really snazzy blacked out wheels uh, that they debuted, like they announced it that morning, the first morning of the show and they actually had one on the floor there that looked, I thought that looked pretty snazzy, so it was just like trim packages but those were two cool ones that stood out to me
1: Yeah, the, the Ram the Ram is actually the uh, the built to serve firefighter edition they had previously done some built-to-serve trucks, uh, honoring um, members of the military. This is the firefighter edition in a bright red, um, which is a pretty cool color. Um, the the thing The thing that I think probably caught was one of the most interesting things for me was the uh, the Frontier, the three Nissan Frontier concepts oh, they showed, yeah. sort of retro concepts. Um, they, or, well, two of them were retro. Uh, one was called the Project 72X. Uh, so named after the the old Datsun 720 pickup of the mm-hmm. late 1970s, and so it had kind of a, a 70s late 70s vibe to it with the the stripe and graphics package on the side, and it had um, white steel wheels. The, the 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 wheels are actually the standard uh, the, the standard spare tire, which mounts under the back of the bed, as with most pickup trucks, is a steel wheel. So they actually just took the regular spare tire uh frontier spare tire that you if any you buy any frontier you'll get one of these They took four of those and painted them white and put it on there so they look fantastic with the white paint
2: on them and just being so i was like oh that those those wheels are great oh they were awesome it looked really cool and then there was
1: there was also the uh uh the hard body edition uh which had uh uh, they reproduced the wheels that were on the uh, mid nineteen nineties Nissan hard body pickups.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was, it's a if you, if you've ever seen them, you, you'll recognize them. It's uh, pretty cool looking wheel, and, and of course, you know, it had uh, it was set up for off road. Had a lift kit on there and fancy
2: uh, light bar on the back, light as I recall. Bar yep. Skid
1: plates and all that stuff. And then there was also the uh, the Overland uh, edition. It actually, actually was the the official name is the uh, Project Adventure. Uh, but it's you know picking up on this this overlanding theme that uh, uh, that has caught on in recent years. Uh, so it's got all the the gear racks in the in the bed and um, a pop up tent on the top and all, all this other good stuff as and well. That's as a a cool,
2: like, and that's a cool like decal graphic thing that kind of looks like a topographic map so almost on the yeah. side. Of the truck and like max tracks or something of the equivalent strapped to the side, like any, anything you could, this is the one that if you actually did just only take this, you know, off to your cabin, you would look like an idiot. Like, just if all you do is go to your cabin, Robbie, like, <laughs> if you're going to do this one, like, do not No, you must go someplace where you need to like have some mud on experience. it at yes. all it, times, even if, and it if better you don't be dirty. And if you don't actually go in the mud, go get like permanent mud, like get some kind of like just spray <laughs> cement on the side or something like make buy, it look muddy. You're buying
3: dirt at the local yes. hardware store or nursery. You're mixing it with water and you're yes. splashing it on your truck so your name. Throw it on don't. your
2: truck because no one, if that truck is driving around clean, people are looking at you saying, Aw, oh, come on. Man. What a poser. <laughs> yeah, Bowser. what a poser. It's clean. no.
3: You know, getting rocks and scratching up the right, just plate. scratch
2: up the bumper a little bit. Like, take some like tree branches and just make your own desert pinstriping on the side. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, I don't think Nissan actually has any plans to offer these as production options. But aside from the wheels on the the hard body concept, all of the other stuff that's on here is stuff that you can go and buy and install right. on your on your Frontier yourself anyway. So you could you could easily recreate any of these any of these three concepts uh, including you know ha- getting a set of steel wheels and having them painted and put them on your truck there you go so yeah
2: they were but, very steelies. cool yeah, yeah, yeah. is for the win yeah they were cool
1: but really i think as as usual the uh, the real winner of the of the chicago auto show as as always was subaru even though they had Puppies. no new product to show they ha- they had their puppy corral again Puppies. Uh, you know they're they're a big supporter of the uh, ASPCA and uh, on the on Thursday they had uh, a bunch of uh, a whole litter of beagle puppies and oh then God, on Friday they had uh, Labradors and oh
3: they were man so cute they at- Subaru Subaru wins every auto show by the way any auto show that Subaru is at they have like the little like camp Subaru set up mm-hmm. usually and yeah. then they're like oh here's a bunch of puppies and then they have a big floor that like is a giant display. Yes. Like it was, it,
2: there's fake it, snow that comes down when it has to be snowy. Like there was snow. Oh like my. I was standing like there's snow <laughs> on you. So you could stand in the fake snow and watch the puppies. It's like, ah, oh, the best booth. It was amazing. It was so cool. The best.
3: <laughs> Ooh, yeah. The super is like, well, we're we going to put all our money into this year. And they're like, we can replace the CVT, or, or we could have a dope booth,
2: a goat dope booth, booth. <laughs> <For> a dope <laughs> booth with the puppies. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, but, but, of course, there was actual, one actual bit of uh, news that came out of the Chicago Auto Show this year. Uh, and um, Larry Vallecat from uh, Automotive News got the scoop on this one.
2: I couldn't read this whole story. So I'm interested to see what this story, because I, I heard firsthand for this, too. So tell me what this story says.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, Larry was at the, the Nissan event on Thursday night. He was talking with Dave Sloan, who's the head of the uh, Chicago Automotive Trade Association. It's the dealer group that puts on the Chicago Auto Show. And um, one, of the, one, one of the unique things about the Chicago show, or what used to be unique, um, I think probably almost 15 years ago, um, Jeep started uh, doing a, a camp Jeep uh, display in, in their booth area uh, where they had a, a big mountain, a whole you know, kind of a simulated off-road, off, off, you know, all-terrain uh, thing where you could get in a Jeep, uh, or and sometimes Ram trucks and, and other vehicles, and test drive it, you know, over this uh, this mountain that was, you know, steel mountain that they built, um, and up until this year, the mountain that they had it was a fairly steep grade. Uh, the mountain was 18 feet tall. Well, last year for when they did the the compressed Chicago Auto Show during July, um, Ford because they were launching the Bronco. Created their own version of this and they called it Bronco Mountain. Bronco Mountain, they built to be 21 feet high. <gasps> and of course, you know, this being the auto industry and a lot of people with a lot of egos, they're very competitive. You know, everybody always wants to one up their their comp- their competition. So Jeep came back this year with a new version of Camp Jeep, which is now 28 feet high. <laughs> and it's it's as high as they can possibly go because yes. once, once if you go any higher than that you can actually hit the the rafters in the in the McCormick place yes. so uh, they, they are guaranteed uh, at least until there's a reconstruction of the facility that uh, Ford will never outdo them on the uh, their. <laughs> They're driving.
2: Uh,
3: well, it similar. was. They're it, gonna have it where it goes outside and then back in, yeah, and it's gonna, gonna be
2: got a thirty feet in the roof. So it was funny. I was actually talked to Jim Worsen at Jeep. I was teasing him about this. I'm like, so I hear you guys had to build a bigger ramp because Ford built a bigger ramp. He's like, well, we built it as high as they would let us. So unless we like cut a hole in the ceiling, or maybe Ford'll cut a hole in the ceiling, I wouldn't put it past him. They could do that. They could go taller. But this is as tall as you can get. And the other thing, he was all. Um, Hot to trot about was the angle of it. So you he says that as you were coming down, you got at a 45 degree angle, which is pretty steep. Like it that's like hold that's you in very, the seat belt. Steep. Yeah, it's hold yeah. you in the seat belt, and the seat belt is keeping you from face planting on the dashboard steep. So I said, okay, sure. He's like, No, I'll prove it. So we get in, he puts on the off-road pages, and we see the angle that we're at. And he's driving to try to be like, okay, wait, we're gonna see it whenever we're like, I'm like at uh, 39, 40. 41. I'm like, Jim, it's 41. He's like, no, no, we're getting another vehicle. This is the right one. Come on. We go again. It's like 42, oh, heckling him. 43. Yeah, I'm heckling. I'm like, dude, it's not there. He got it to 44. He's like, I swear it was a 45 one of these times. I can't remember which one I was in. It was a 45. So, but it does have a 45. Uh, 44 at least I can confirm angle as you're coming down they claim 45 uh, that one extra degree but so as you come down and it is in- unbelievably steep you you do feel like you're holding on for dear life <laughs> yeah you're looking straight
1: down
3: <laughs> you
2: literally I'm straight down like the seatbelt is all that's holding me and like my back is not ag- it could have been velcro didn't matter I'm like flying oh, forward to the that's seat the velcro <laughs> just, yeah just leaning against the front of the, the seatbelt like please don't kill me <laughs> 44.3 44. that is steep people <laughs> yeah
3: that's 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 um yeah i don't think people realize how steep when you're in a car when you're like the degrees like it's 20 degrees right yeah. like, this is a lot and then when if you, you get, have
2: like, like a, a vehicle that has pages like the the off-road pages they have in the jeep and you can see the angle that your car is going at look at it and then think like compare that to the number i just gave you and if you're suddenly like oh this feels terrible i must be oh no i'm at 20 yeah waiting yeah. you get to 40 like it's really so steep
0: 40.
1: <laughs> all right um the uh, last item we have before we get into Q&A today is uh, uh, it was actually something that was uh, mentioned by a listener um, in a tweet. They wanted us to talk about it was um, a change that Tesla made last year in China in response to the uh, the chip shortage. You know, Tesla, you know, like most automakers has had to respond to the chip shortage. And in many respects, you know, Tesla has actually had more success here than, than a lot of other manufacturers. They they have replaced some of the chips in their cars uh, with other chips that are more available, um, but that of course requires rewriting of software sometimes, and you know Tesla is able to do that quite quickly, um, and so you know they they were able to you know still have an increase in sales last year despite the chip shortage, uh, unlike almost every other automaker on the planet. Um, but one of the things that they did, I mean, they, they all among the things they did was they also eliminated some features, as other manufacturers have done. GMs dropped um, heated seats and steering wheels from some vehicles. They dropped uh, cylinder deactivation systems to, just so they could avoid putting the ECUs in there. Um, one thing that Tesla did on the Model 3s and Model Ys built in China is they eliminated the controller for the secondary uh, steering circuit. Uh, so, in order to do automated driving one of the things you have to do is you have to uh have fail operational capability Uh, because if you're going to have a vehicle that can drive around without without a human behind the wheel um, you've got to make sure it can do things like steer and stop even if the you know some of that mechanism fails Uh, so you know all these vehicles now have they, they all have electric power steering systems and, and what they what manufacturers have started to do is use uh, a power steering actuator that has two independent uh, circuits on their coils on there to drive the actuator uh, With ind- and each one has an independent controller and um, power supply and if one of those fails you can if you can still have your your steering control in there uh, it's you know, it, it has lower peak power but it can still steer the vehicle. And um, what Tesla did was they removed the controller for the secondary steering system. And that means that if they were to ever try to deploy full self driving on these vehicles I know, it's a joke. Ever. Uh, but if they were if they were ever Eventually. to try and do if they were ever to try and do that, um, they would have no steering backup. So if the steering failed they Unless they went back and retrofit these vehicles with that steering controller, they wouldn't have that option on those vehicles. Um, any any thoughts on this?
2: Do we but, know for a fact – so Tesla hasn't officially said anything, right? So we have no official statement. But the claim is that it wouldn't impact the safety. It would just – that it's fine until you want that – Full self-driving and yeah, you have mean, to make a as, service visit, right? As, as,
1: as, long, as long as you're never actually deploying full self-driving on the car, it's fine because, you know, it'll be just like in the past. If your power steering failed, you know, you could – a human could still steer the vehicle. You just have to put more effort into the steering wheel uh, to do it. You can still turn the wheel. it just – it's, t- it's yeah. harder. Um, you know, but if you don't have a human behind the wheel, now if that steering circuit fails – You don't have a backup for that, and so the car is just going to go in whatever direction it's pointed at that point. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. for level two,
3: the backup is you, right? Really. If it fails, level three, the backup is nothing. So if so, if it's going around a corner on the freeway and you're playing, you know, Call of Duty or whatever they have on the Tesla at that point, um, and all of a sudden it fails, so now the car just keeps going straight. And by the time, if you're doing 60, 70 miles an hour, now you've rammed into the vehicle next to you. You, you know, there's a lot of problems because you don't have that, 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 in, that, uh, that backup for you. So that's why you have to have all these redundancies, which Tesla has talked about when, when they, you know, when they introduced their, um, their chipset, they talked, they kept saying redundancy, 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 backup systems. Um, but then in other parts of the vehicle, they don't have them. Like, you know, when they only use cameras for sensors, you know, there's no redundancy there. So this is uh, it, it. If the people and it's, it sucks because the people didn't know. Like if you knew, you're like, well, your car is never going to have self driving and you're like, well, you're going to cut take some money off of it, and they're like, yeah, sure, and you're like, all right, yeah, that's
1: fine. But if they didn't yeah, tell just, people, they're just then not going <laughs> to charge you the twelve thousand dollars for full self driving.
3: Yeah, but if they didn't tell, or people maybe they that, will and not tell you. But yeah, but if they didn't
1: tell people that that that
3: they weren't ever going to get it, if it you know when this system goes live eventually, maybe who knows? Um, that's kind of a. That's a huge bummer, especially if you pay the twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> because yeah. you can you can get navigate on auto drive. You know you can get all these other like level two, level two plus features on there, but you'll never get level three or higher because you just you don't have that redundancy in there. So if you're paying the twelve thousand dollars, anticipating that at some point you'll have level three, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, remember when they had that chip shortage? Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that's going to cost
1: you another thousand bucks
3: because you have to bring it in and we're going to have to put some stuff in there and it's going to require your car be in the shop for a week and a half. Or,
2: it should not
4: you know. be fun.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's the, the, the idea of not telling people is the huge, is the, the big issue here because if you tell somebody you're like, Hey, this doesn't have, it's not yeah. going to give, then you're like, okay, if you're really cool with that, then fine. But if, uh, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Yeah. It feels like something that they should have known ahead of time. Yeah. It's like
3: it's like the, the uh, BMWs without the touchscreens, or that you know it's all of you know. Hey, you're gonna get a BMW
1: now, but you're not gonna have a touchscreen, or you're gonna get a yeah. I mean, at least other manufacturers are telling customers that hey, right. we're we're leaving these features out, and in many cases, they're actually reducing the price. It was uh, interesting when I coordinate. was trying
2: to build something for Audi for a story I was writing, and I don't know if it's still that way because this was maybe like a few weeks ago, but they were actually saying due to manufacturing, blah 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 the content listed when you build the vehicle might not be what normally is always. The ve- so, you know, it might come standard with X, Y, Z. No, X might not be there. So make sure you confirm with your dealer what is exactly in your car. Mm-hmm. So they were sort of doing this sounded like we may have changed some things up here. We don't want to surprise you, but we can't tell you exactly what's sitting in your dealer lot right now, which I felt was yeah. at least a good, like buyer beware, you know, check to see what it is that you have on your car.
1: Yeah. 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 Cause you wouldn't want to be disappointed to I mean, you, you want to know before you drive off, before you sign and, and drive off with the car you, you want to make sure it is actually what you want yeah you know all right yeah. let's answer a couple of listener questions you've got uh, your question magic man 1288 uh, asks do you guys realize that most of the country does not have the infrastructure in place to charge evs you spend most of your show talking about um, we're years away from average joe and flyover country to adopt one of those evs especially in cold climate love the show
2: Well, I I think, yes, we realize that there is not a ginormous infrastructure, but if we don't talk about EVs at all, then we're neglecting a huge number of new vehicles coming up because the manufacturers are releasing them at a pretty alarming rate. And I think as much as there's huge sections of the country where people are not really into the EV thing at all, there are huge sections where they are. So it's a little bit where you are, um, a little bit regional. But, yeah, it's going to be a while before you can readily – charge your car everywhere. Like you gas up your car right now, but it is something that's coming and it is where things are moving. Like whether or not it happens tomorrow to that point or or happens in five years, that's where it's moving. So it's just like a matter of time. So I think, and I think it's something good to talk about because there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of mystery around EVs. Like we know about them. We're comfortable with them. We've been looking at them for a few years. It's like, Oh, it's another one. This is what's changed. If you don't know about EVs, if you're not someone who has one or has a buddy who has one, they're sort of like scary magic things. Like people really don't know how they work. So to sort of demystify it a little bit and, to, you know, show, yeah, there's pluses and minuses to getting one, I think is an important thing to do as the technology rolls out. Yeah.
3: And I think yeah. that it- the, for an EV owner, I'm going to tell you, we never, ever, ever, t- I we have 250 free kilowatts of power from Electrify America. It came when we got it when, when we when we got the Hyundai. I have not been to Electrify America. I think the first two weeks we took it there because I hadn't set up. I had a I had a um, set up a new uh, outlet in our in our garage in order to charge the EV. We haven't been there since. In our daily life, like just driving it around, we just bring it home, we plug it in. So there, you know, I, and I know that EA is building out. Tesla has a really robust system if you're near, especially if you're near the interstates. Um, and yeah, it's going to take a long time for like places off, you know, 100, 200 miles off the interstate to, to get like a nice, robust EV infrastructure where you can charge, you know, while on the go. But also, I think what happens is in a lot of times, is, especially if you have a home, you have somewhere to charge you just don't ever go to the charging station. The only time I'm going to charging stations now is to charge uh, review vehicles just because I'm charging my car. <laughs> and right. So I have to go, I'm like, well, I, I you know, I charge my car. Plus I want to test like to make sure they do that, you know, the 50, 150 kilowatt, you know, that, that, that peak power, they're going to get, you know, testing that and making sure that the manufacturers are telling us the truth on that. But yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I know, I understand it's a weird thing for us to talk about when you're thinking like, well, and in in some cases you can't even buy like you can't buy the the MX thirty anywhere outside of California. Right.
2: Yeah. There's some that unless you live in California, Robbie, you can buy whatever the heck you want. I can do in New what Hampshire. I want. In New Hampshire, they're like, <laughs> good luck getting an EV. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we, I mean, we, we we talk about them just because I mean, and again, I, I live in 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 a in a magical land where there's an EV you know charger every magical
1: ten lands.
3: every ten to feet at this point. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's coming. And again, like if you were if you lived in Wyoming. And you had an EV. Um, chances are you would just plug it in every night. Mm-hmm. You know, you you'd have to make adjustments just like you do with gas vehicles when you know for range. Uh, but yeah, unless you're driving 200 miles a day, the charging infrastructure, while important, becomes less of an issue.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, for you know for people living in the, the vast central part of the country, um, you know, the relatively Far less dense um, network of charging stations would make it a challenge for doing long road trips with uh, with with those vehicles. But um, you know, if, if you're using it around town, then you know it shouldn't be a pro- It shouldn't be much of a problem. Um, you know, the the other thing to keep in mind as well is that you know, if you look at where the population density is in the United States versus where the chargers are, yeah, you know, it's in the, around the perimeter of the country, the, the, the coast, the the, left, the east and west coasts and across the south is where most of the people actually live. And there's, you know, increasing number of chargers there. Now, yes, we do have to fill in that middle gap so that, you know, everybody else can have access and so that you can drive cross country, you know, if you choose to. Uh, and, and that's happening. You know, th- that is increasingly getting filled out. And you know, all, all the the charging network companies, EVgo, Electrify America, ChargePoint, uh, and and on and on, you know, they are progressively building out more and more chargers, all charging stations, all the time. So, you know, as as the population of vehicles increases, so too will the population of chargers. And um, you know, actually, just earlier this week, mm-hmm. um, the Biden administration released the first five billion dollars uh, from the infrastructure bill. To, um, to start awarding grants uh, for building out chargers, uh, pu- you know, public charging infrastructure, which is really going to be focused on underserved areas, um, you know, smaller towns, um, more rural areas, you know, making sure that those places have access to charging um, to, to try to address the, that gap. So hopefully over the next several years, you know, that will be uh, addressed more and more. Yeah, your small towns will start getting charging stations.
2: Yeah.
3: that's the goal. Yep. Um, but yeah, you, you know, if you're a company, you want to put it where you're going to make the most money, which is right now. I mean, my house essentially, uh, <laughs> California, um, and then once you have the monies, then you start spreading out to areas where
1: you know, the adoption isn't quite as high. And,
2: yeah. But,
1: yeah. Chicken and egg. It's the same thing. We had the same thing when we built out the phone network. When we built out the electrical distribution network. Uh, you know, rural areas were tended to be the last to get served uh, because it wasn't economically viable because there wasn't nearly as many people there, and so we had to subsidize that. You know, through various programs, uh, you know there were there were programs for the phone companies to build out um, build phone lines into rural areas. Same for rural electrification, uh, starting in the 1930s. Um, and now we're doing it for EV charging and, you know, hopefully that will help to address the problem. Yeah. As someone from yeah. us who grew up in a small town, I understand your pain of
3: not getting cool stuff until later. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember as soon as I moved to the city, I was like,
2: look at all the things that are already here that we didn't have. In the small." I grew up in a small town too, in the middle of nowhere, in New Hampshire, and we never had anything. So I get it, you know, yeah.
3: so I like, get it. It goes to you go to a big city. You're like, Whoa,
1: look at this. I got five bars. <laughs> Ooh,
2: the big city life.
1: All right. Last one is from Bryn Um, Have automakers had a tradition of announcing new models long before they're going to be available, or is that more of a recent trend? It's disappointing, frustrating when you see an, a new EV model announced coming in two to three years.
2: Haven't they kind of done this for a long time? I feel like at least as long as I've been doing this, there's always something they announce that they say. How long was
3: the Bronco? How long ago was the Bronco announced that we knew it was coming? <sighs> Seventeen, eighteen years—it feels like. It's I remember nice. being at an auto show doing like where I worked at the time. They want us to do live Facebook Live, and they're. I'm like, hey, what do you want to see at the LA Auto Show? They're like, hey, show us the new Bronco. And this was probably five years ago.
1: And I'm like, I uh, see. well, <laughs> I, I want to say the they officially confirmed that they were going to build the Bronco in 2018. Um. I think I think it was 2018. Yeah, you know, there there were rumor. I mean, Ford built multiple concepts of it over the span of about 15 or 20 years. Um, you know, going especially going back to the early 2000s, there was one. Uh, and there was a couple other concepts, uh, but they never gave the green light to the program until just a few years ago. But I think you know the this long span of two to three years is a more relatively recent phenomenon especially in the last decade it has accelerated um you know if mean, you go back go back to 1964 when ford launched the original mustang they showed it on a friday and you know in april on, on april friday april 17th 1964 at the new york world's fair and it was on sale that same day they started they started wow. selling it that day um, you know, of course, back in those days, you know, you didn't have spy photos of cars and, you know, it was a lot easier to keep a secret. Um, these days, you know, oftentimes, you know, what we'll see, you know, if we see concepts at all, their are, concepts are often previews of upcoming production vehicles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's usually what we'll see, you know, a couple of years in advance or a year in advance. Um, and even, even production models, you know, will typically see you know nine to twelve months before it goes on sale uh, and yeah it's it's frustrating to have to wait that long um, but uh, you know as you know it takes a long time to develop vehicles and uh, you know because it's so hard to keep this stuff secret uh, you know it's it, these these things are going to be out there so they figured well we might as well milk it for all the publicity we can get you know go ahead and and tell people now, hey, this is what we're going to build. You know, it's coming eventually, and you know, um, you know. Then when you see the spy photos. You know, they they keep just getting more attention for it uh, until it until it actually goes on sale.
2: It does, I guess, technically generate a little excitement. You know, if it's timed well, when we're all talking about it, and then we're talking about it again, and then we're talking about it again, and it, you know. Yeah. Probably uh, does uh, help do that.
3: Smart marketing is is leaking uh, a rumor that they're working on something, and then check ch- and seeing what the reaction is. Like, right? Oh, are we're-. people
2: excited? Are they all complaining about one thing? Or are they all are they like, like
3: yeah. oh yeah, let's like we can j- adjust this. Right. Can, I mean, I think the the biggest EV model we're probably uh, talking is the ID Buzz. Was 2017 that was a uh, shown yeah. off? Yeah, 17 or
1: 18, I think. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. So then it's it's and now it'll be shown off now. So that's even four years, maybe five since, you know, it was like, hey, look at this. And you're like,
0: oh. Amazing. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, that, I mean, that, the, you know, that's another one where, you know, VW has built multiple different concepts over the last 20 years of a new microbus, but none of them ever got approved for production until the ID Buzz. That was the first one that actually made it. Um, and, you know, now you know they're going to show, they're going to unveil the production version of that on March 9th, uh, which is what, uh, less Three than weeks. four weeks away. Yeah. Um, and, the uh, buzz around the buzz, and then it'll be at <laughs> um, it'll be live at uh, South by Southwest. So if you're in Austin, keep your eyes open for uh, for the ID Buzz. You'd be eating barbecue and
3: touching the ID Buzz with your greasy hands
2: with That's your greasy barbecuey fingers. It's a the
3: dream, uh, really,
1: to be out. Maybe they'll have one set up as a food truck. Oh, yeah!
3: Oh, going
2: to be, be, be fancy.
1: An ID Buzz food truck. What did I do wrong? With an electric induction cooktop inside there running off the big battery.
2: Making all your barbecue.
1: There you go. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time.
2: Bye, guys. Bye.
5: At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with.